to season four of our podcast, The End of the Road, brought to you by the Wrangell Mountain Center and our supporters in Alaska and around the globe. We thank you. I'm your host, Sabrina Simon, Director of Operations for the Wrangell Mountain Center. And I'm John Erdman, Executive Director of the Wrangell Mountain Center. We are a nonprofit organization dedicated to connecting people with wild lands through art, science, and education in Alaska. I invite you on a journey through our series featuring hand-picked stories and poems told by McCarthy locals and visitors throughout our 2023 summer programming, all expressing our unique experience of this thing called life. Thank you for joining us. This episode is called Between You and I and features stories and poems about relationships. It's my belief that relationships are the most important thing that we humans have in our life. Whether it's our relationship with nature, landscapes, community, with family, friends, lovers, and ourselves. It's these relationships that shape who we are, how we're seen, our entire realities. There's so much discovery to be had within relationships. What triggers you? What makes you feel whole? What makes you feel empty? who you are in general. And maybe because of how important they are, they can also be incredibly difficult to navigate. However, it's in those hard-to-navigate waters where rich self-discovery is found. Our first story is from Owen Mosen, who shared during the second night of the storytelling festival in the old hardware store. The room was packed, everyone cozying up to each other on benches or chairs, eager to hear a good story, and Owen definitely brought that. Here he is. All right. Uh, last summer, my two best friends from high school came to visit me out here in Alaska, in McCarthy, sorry. And uh, they came during June. And this was the year after our freshman year of college, our first year of college. This was the first time we'd been away from each other all throughout middle school and high school. And we all went to different colleges. And it was really hard for me. Like socially, I did not have a good time. And it was similar for them because they, um, the names are Peter and Emily, and they'd been dating since 10th grade, and they did the long distance thing. So it was really hard for them, too. And this was the first time we were all going to be seeing each other again. They were going to come out to McCarthy, and I had planned a backpacking trip. And Peter, I've been friends with Peter since elementary school, and we drove out together. He drove out with me. And we came out and we hung out for a few days before Emily was going to be able to come out because she wasn't free. And at some point he was talking to me and he goes, hey, has has Emily seemed any different to you when you've been talking to her the last few months? You no, know, she seemed a little different, a little down. 
um, a little more repressed. And I was like, you know, I haven't really, really noticed anything, but you know, long distance relationships are hard and, you know, I'm sure it'll be better when you see her and I wouldn't read into it too much. And he agreed with me. He's like, you know, you're right. I won't, I won't read into this too much. And so a couple of days go by, Emily drives herself out and we all are reunited. It's great. We're hugging. We're saying hi. We haven't seen each other, um, since winter break. And it's great. And that first day we just hang out, we eat dinner, go to bed and get ready for the trip the next day. And I had decided to take them to Erie Lake and the Knoll. Um, it's not a super hard hike, but it get, has great views. We get to do some glacier, glacier crossings. So we head out the next day. And I noticed things were a little awkward between Peter and Emily, but they've never been the most emotionally intelligent people. So I was, and I'm not, I'm not one to get involved in another person's relationship, right? So I'm like, whatever. And we go for a hike. We're crossing the glacier and there's these big crevasse fields. And Peter was terrified of crevasses there was definitely a few places where I really had to coach him through jumping over this like chasm in the ground and uh but we made it it was a beautiful day we get to Erie Lake we go up to the knoll beautiful views of the um of the ice falls um and we set up camp that night and we make a fire and then as we're sitting around the fire I pull out a joint we start smoking. And one thing about Peter is he cannot smoke weed without immediately passing out. Like, it just <laughs> knocks him out cold. So unsurprisingly, he takes two hits and then is immediately like, okay, I'm going in the tent. And he goes to sleep. And so it's just me and Emily around the fire talking. We're getting pretty high. And at some point, she turns to me and says, Owen, I've been meaning to tell you something. Uh, I broke up with Peter. And... And this crushed me. My world imploded around me because, for the record, my parents have been happily together my entire life. But this was the relationship that made me believe in love, right? <laughs> like, and, uh, and I start sobbing. Um, and I'm like, what happened? Like, did this happen? Yes. And in my mind, I'm like, did this happen yesterday? Is this what you guys were doing that one time? And so I asked her, I'm like, what happened? Why did you break up with him? And she goes, you know, it was a couple months ago. My, you know, long distance was really hard for me. I just really needed to be able to move on. And I'm thinking a couple months ago, and then suddenly it clicks, right? <laughs> Emily being like the sweetest person I know had broken up with Peter and Peter being the dumbass that he is, didn't realize it. And... <laughs> And so for the past two months, Emily, being a sweetheart, has stayed friends with Peter, and Peter thought they were still dating. And I am way too high to just, like, comprehend this. And so we end up just crying together for, like, an hour, and then going to bed. And the next morning, I wake up, and I have to process this with a sober brain, and I'm like, fuck, what do I do now? Do I tell them? I did not want to, like, ruin this trip. Is it my place? So we make breakfast. We break camp. We start heading back over the glaciers. We have to go back over the crevasses. And the whole time, this is all I'm thinking about, right? Um, this back and forth in my brain, and I can't bring myself to tell them. And every minute that goes by, I'm like, you're a terrible friend, Owen. You are doing a terrible thing by not telling them. And eventually we get done with the glacier and we're trying to get back up onto the Erie Mine Trail to walk back to Kennecott. And it's a pretty steep bluff up from the glacier. Like it's challenging. We're trying to route find. And at some point I knock a rock loose and I see it go down and I yell rock. 
but it was a second too late. And Emily looks up just as it bounces up and cuts her right across the arm pretty deep. And she starts bleeding really bad. I run down to her, get my hand around her arm. She's like wide eyed, not moving, blood coming out. I sit, Peter, get my, get my first aid kit out of my backpack. He gets it out, stop the bleeding, wash it out, get gauze on it, get a bandage on it, stops bleeding, you know, get Emily water, get Emily food. She's okay. And so we decide we're going to keep going on with the hike. We get back to McCarthy, but we decide they need to drive out because Emily probably needs stitches. So um, Emily has her car. Peter's going to drive her out. Um, so they cut the trip short, which was really sad for me. But as I'm taking them to their car, I realize I got to tell them, right? And I'm, <laughs> I'm terrified because <laughs> I'm like, this is going to go bad. And eventually I just, I tell them what happened. And it was worse than I thought. There was yelling. They were yelling at each other. Peter was obviously heartbroken. Emily was mad at me for not telling her earlier. And as they walk from my four-wheeler to their car, it's dead silent, fuming. They get in the car, doors slam, and I watch them drive off down the McCarthy Road where they're going to be in a car for the next eight hours together. (laughs) And as it turns out, surprisingly enough, eight hours forced together in a car can heal a lot of wounds. And despite the fact that Emily did need 13 stitches when she got to Anchorage, they are currently back together and happily dating, no longer long distance. So, happy ending. (laughs) Thank you. Owen is such a good storyteller and we were all at the edge of our seats listening. I think one of the most important lessons to learn within relationships is how to communicate with each other so that you're understood. And Owen's story between Peter and Emily was a great example of that. But it was also a perfect example of how resilient relationships can be. We were all happy to hear that Owen's friends are now a happy couple. we hear a story about a first date gone so, so wrong. Laura told her story during the same night of the storytelling festival as Owen. She told a winning story and would later go on to compete in the finale. Take a listen. Hi, uh, my name's Laura, and I uh, live in Talkeetna, uh, off uh, about, I don't know, a little ways from here. And uh, trigger warning, uh, this story contains extreme stupidity. Okay, so. Uh, all right. It also takes place in BC, and that, for some of you, means before cell phones. Right. Um, I was on a date uh, with it was my first winter in Alaska, and I had a date. And in Tuckeaton is a very small town, and if you want to, everybody would know what you were doing if you went on a date right in downtown Tuckeaton. So you would go elsewhere, and where you would go, I didn't know any of this. You you go to Sheep Creek Lodge, which is on the Parks Highway, about it's about thirty miles away, and so we had spent the whole day out. 
and doing something, hiking or something. And then we go, we're going to go eat dinner at this lodge. And it's like, I am starving. And we go up to this lodge and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful log cabin. I mean, log structure. And it's, you know, it's the late afternoon and it's, it's like March or April. No, it's like April, I think. And we go in and we sit at the bars, not many people there. And we order a hamburger and we're just kind of waiting around and there's a pool table. So it's like, oh, you play pool? Oh, yeah, I play pool. So we're in this little side room, and I'm kind of looking around. It's very pristine, and I notice on the wall are little pictures of, like, ducks and little kind of like, like an element. It looked like an elementary school, little cute pictures of barnyard animals. And then next to that was a little cute um, fire alarm. You know those red fire alarms where you just, yeah, and... And I, and I said to my date, I said, do you think this is real? <laughs> and he goes, well, I don't know. I said, well, you know, it's, it's kind of all set up like a little schoolroom in here. And we had these in elementary school, um, only they were behind glass. You didn't just, you know, have it there. Yeah. And he goes, well, I don't know if it's real. And I'm like, oh, I'm hungry. And uh, kept playing pool. And then I looked at it. I said, you know, I don't, I don't think that's real. <laughs> And I walked over to it. I, I remember this clearly. Just walked over to it and went. The loudest, most outrageous alarms, lights, buzzing. You couldn't, you cannot hear yourself think or talk. And he is just looking at me like, why did you? But you said it. You didn't think it was real either. But you mean you have to try it. And I look in the other room, and the bartender is like, what's going on? What's going on? It's like, I didn't think it was real. And she says, it's real, and it immediately calls the fire department down in Willow, which is not that far away. And we, can, we are yelling. We cannot hear anything. It is just going and going and going, buzzing and whirling. And she picks up the phone to call them to tell them not to come, and the phone is dead. So now the entire Willow Fire Department is probably screaming up the highway, and I find out she's yelling at me saying, this entire lodge burned down in 1987, and it has been rebuilt, and they have installed an automatic wiring system. I, I'm just like, I don't, I just was... We could not talk. And then I am just looking at this fire alarm. I was like, can I just make this stop? And I just am standing there and I go and I notice that there's a Phillips head screwdriver on this device. And I realize I'm going to take that apart and I'm going to make this stop. <laughs> I, I'm thinking this might make the fire engines from coming up, but I don't know. But I can hardly think straight. And I actually can't find a Phillips head screwdriver, but I find a knife and I unscrew it. And believe it or not, underneath of that red flat thing is very simply a little silver toggle. And you just go, bink. And it was silence. <laughs> and I mean, I was really happy. We're all very happy because it was quiet. But then the true angriness of the bartender and other, the cook, the other patron, the date all looking at me. <laughs> and uh, luckily, in the meantime, 
the cook had the had the perseverance to run to his cabin. Uh, I didn't know this because I was too obsessed with the red box, but he ran to his cabin and did indeed call the uh, fire department and tell them it was a false alarm. And um, then I said, I think we should just get our hamburgers to go at this point. <laughs> and then she said, where, where are you from that you didn't know that this was a fire alarm? And I just looked at her and I said, New Jersey. <laughs> and, and, and she goes, and she just threw up her hands and said, oh, I can't believe the tourists are starting so early. <laughs> and my date and I had a very long drive back to Talkeetna, not really speaking much. And I did not go to that bar for... 15 years. I uh, recently heard that it had changed hands and I had started uh, attending there again. Um, and uh, that was uh, the last date with that person. So maybe Laura and her date didn't have a happily ever after, but there's so much appreciation to be found in that as well. Laura was being her silly, curious, maybe a tad impulsive self, and although it wasn't the best idea to pull the fire alarm, she got an amazing story out of it. And sometimes that's the case, that the story you keep with you means more than the short-lived relationship that inspired it. On the other hand, what if the relationships you leave in your past did mean a lot to you? Processing the absence of a relationship is another critical lesson and even initiation in our lives. So we're going to take the mood down just a little bit as we explore the ways in which we deal with the loss of those relationships that don't always have such a happy ending. We'll hear from myself sharing a poem called Starlings during one of our bi-weekly Word Jam events. So this is kind of short, but um, it's called Starlings, and um, it is about a breakup. <laughs> I wonder if the starlings cross the skies above your head. And if they do, I wonder if they remind you of what was left unsaid. As we stared up in amazement, quietly understanding, the awe they inspired couldn't reach to the relinquishing of fears or the reckoning of doubts. I haven't seen a flock block out the sun since the, that dark day in the woods, where I grasped for your hands to pull you back to me, but you tucked them by your hips to speak your truth silently. I moaned and wavered from reluctant acceptance or defeat, to perplexing attempts at pleading and then back again for as long as I could, for as long as our walk took in those woods. And further still, for as long as those waves of grief turned my feeble legs to wreckage and until the waves softened and I no longer broke. Now I wonder if our starlings are sharing the same sky we're under.
The breakup. It can be such a difficult time to work through. But in those times, that's when I found that there's this rich compost of self-discovery that helps you build a relationship with yourself. You move through grief, doubt, regret, loss of confidence, self-reflection, and to growth, change, gaining confidence. And in that compost, you have the opportunity to truly learn how to relate to yourself, which is just as important as how you relate to others. Another beautiful time for self-discovery in the world of relationships is when you get to experience what unconditional love feels like for someone in your life or for yourself. Lastly, we hear from Mike Murphy again, who is ripe with creative expressions and shared several times at our word jams. Um, All right, this is, I guess, my last one, unless you guys really want another one. But uh, this one is for a friend who was here two weeks ago. And I'm not going to say who it is, but I was hoping he'd be here tonight. Um, So, There's a man I've known a very long time, and we both share the gift of stringing together rhyme. I like him, I respect him, but I don't know him well. Years pass, goodbyes and hellos, much about him I don't know. But that's okay, it's not good or bad, it just is. Not long ago, I saw him around while I was riding my bike through town. I suggested we choose a topic and both write poems. I presented it as a sort of dare. Top topic could be dog poop, mosquitoes, an encounter with a bear. I saw it as a possible shared experience to have some fun. I'm at a point in life. I accept what I can't control. Weather, relationships, the list's endless, truth be told. My role is to do my part, then let go. I've got lots of acquaintances and lots of friends. Meeting new people, that never ends. I tell my 12-year-old son, anyone you meet could be a friend for life. I encourage my son to look people in the eye with an open mind, be respectful, be yourself, be kind. You may never see them again. They may become a good friend. Your job is to just show up. Saw an old friend on the 4th of July. We caught up while the parade went by. He suggested going for a hike. I did my part and said yes. Then I got busy the way life does and forgot about the hike until my old friend gave me a buzz. So refreshing when someone else follows up. My job is to say yes when opportunities come. So when he suggested an overnight trip on the glacier, deal done. Maybe it'll be 15 years until we hang again. Maybe he'll become a steady friend. Impossible to know. My job is to just show up. Never heard back from the poet in town. No hard feelings, resentments, sulking or frowns. It's not good or bad. It just is. My job is to accept it and let go. If another chance comes to connect with this poet man, my arms remain open, that's the plan. But the status quo, that's also good enough for me. As for picking a topic for our poem, as always, it went in a direction I could have never known. Now here's this poem. I've done my part. (laughs) 
What I love about Mike's poem is that it's a testament to having a solid relationship with yourself. When you're in that place, having unconditional love for others, however they show up, or even if they don't show up at all, becomes a meditation and a way of life. So I'd like to follow Mike's lead and continue showing up, whether we're in love or broken up or both, whether we're friends or acquaintances or estranged, whatever the relationship between you and I. This podcast series was written and produced by Sabrina Simon with the help of John Erdman. Special thanks to our featured storytellers, our 2023 Storytelling Festival business supporters and sponsors, including McCarthy River Tours and the Roadside Potato. A big thank you to Cole Pompey and Graham Makes for contributing their original music. You can go to www.wrangles.org, that's Wrangles with two L's, to listen to more episodes from our End of the Road podcast, or find us wherever you find your podcasts. At our website, you can also help support us financially. You can sign up for our monthly e-newsletter, and you can check out the programs that we operate here in McCarthy during the summer. Thank you, Thank you for, for joining, joining us, us at the, at end, the end of the road. Of the road.